We want to be the mobile church. Mm -hmm. I mean, we come, Samaritan's Purse, we're not a denomination. Mm -hmm. We're just a group of believers that come from all different walks in our faith and Mm -hmm. denominations. And we want to go out as a body and go out and meet people where they are. And don't make them come to your church and see the welcome sign out front. Let's go to them in their time of need and show them what the church is really all about. Welcome back to On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, where we take you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and today we have a special episode. I know we released an episode on Luther Harrison a few months ago, uh, but I was able to sit down with him again, and his conversation was so compelling and convicting and, and updated. And so I know we just posted him, but we wanted to post this episode as well. Luther serves as the Vice President of North American Ministries, but he's been with Samaritan's Purse for more than two decades. And even if you heard our conversation before, there will be great new insight and depth that I know you'll want to hear. He has a long history with the ministry, and he was foundational in the start of our U.S. disaster relief efforts. When the storm happens, we go, and um, God has just continued to send the people, but He's also providing the resources and the tools and the equipment that we need to go out and do the work. People that we have helped in their time of disaster mm-hmm. now come out and help others. And it's one of the greatest things, Christy, as you see them sharing the news. I can't go up to someone and tell you, I know how you feel unless I've been in your shoes. But to see another storm survivor go up and say, I've been there, done that, there is hope. And as you start peeling away, like the Eastern Kentucky floods we're on right now, I'll bless the heart of the folks up in Breathitt and Floyd counties uh, that got hit so hard by this flood water. And it's a muddy flood water. It's a lot of silt and sediment in their homes. And just to go alongside these families and start pulling back the layers of mud and cleaning it out and stripping out the wet wood and sheetrock and insulation just starts giving them a future and a little better optimistic hope of how I can pull this back together and get back in my home and get back on track. Mm -hmm. So it's just disaster relief never gets old. You cannot be calloused uh, when you go out to these storms. The families, they've lost everything. Um, Even one family in Kentucky not only did they, they lost four children, and they lost their home, they lost their car. And our chaplain with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association went to see them, and all that was left on their property was four cinder blocks. And they were just sitting there, and they're in such grief, they don't even know how to start grieving. Mm-hmm. But to see our chaplains come alongside of them, just like when Job was going through his uh, suffering and uh, despair. His friends just came and didn't say a word for the first seven days, just a ministry of presence. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to have is that ministry of presence. You come alongside of a person after a storm, and it just it's helping to carry that burden with them, helping to share with them. So the disaster relief side, it continues to grow. So we have grown from our little carport in Boone, North Carolina. We've now got an office down in North Wilkesboro, and we have equipment staged in Capel, Texas, and also Fullerton, California. I love my job for many reasons, but one of it is to hear from our staff, and I love how God uses backgrounds, gifts, and talents uh, for, and your job specifically wasn't even here when you came. Correct. And I would love for you to, fir- like, um, so there's so many things I want to talk about what you just mentioned, but let's back up to you were in law enforcement Correct. many years, uh, loved what you did, but God led you out of there. You came here. Mm-hmm. This job wasn't created. You didn't even know about it. You were willing to do anything and everything, but I love how God used your background. He Correct. used what you did for what you're doing now. But in the beginning, uh, you my... were mowing grass, snow blowing, doing whatever was needed. Right. And God used what you had 
to create this position. So talk to me about just even those early days, you know, not well, knowing this was So coming. my previous career, you always say, how did God use your past to equip you for the future? Mm-hmm. And being in law enforcement, I mean, I'm a native of Boone. I grew up here and I really love this community, love being a part of the community, helping others. So uh, my first uh, volunteer role was a volunteer fireman for the town of Boone. And mm-hmm. that being next door to the police station, uh, you get to know a lot of the officers. And one day the chief sort of encouraged me to maybe seek out serving in a criminal justice career. So I got involved in that. I was with the Boone Police Department 14 years, five years as a uniformed officer, nine as an investigator. But with that, you are always headed to a call and you have to sort of start from there. This is what I'm going to go see and then making a plan of action, which I see God can use that for disaster relief. Uh, When a storm hits, we've got to make a plan of action. Christy, when we respond, we partner with the local churches. They're well established, they're vetted, they're trusted in the community, and Samaritan's Purse has been blessed with uh, all the shoebox churches, as I call them. You know, we have, I think, contacts of over 90,000 churches in the U.S., and it is a blessing I've coming from the government side that to work with the church side there's no restrictions on sharing your faith sharing the gospel encouraging people you know I always just go back to the verse in 2 Timothy 1:7 for God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity but of peace love and self-discipline but then the first part of verse 8 it says so don't be ashamed to tell others about our lord and that's the thing we go out we're going to tell others about our lord we're going to share why do we do this it's because jesus loves him and he's sending us to be his representative so it's the greatest thing in the world um you had a podcast the other day with Tom Woodward. And just to be at his yard the other day and see him receive his home after he left his home with only the clothes on his back. That's all he had. And now that we have blessed him with a brand new home with furniture and the furnishings and appliances and just to see him and the joy in his heart, that's the greatest gift. I got to talk to Mr. Tom when we were walking up. He uh, asked me my name and we got to talk and he said that uh, what happened was he was called to help get some water if the tornado hit and he said he left and came back a few hours later and his house was gone and just seeing him look at the house you could definitely tell that he's proud of you know he helped but now people are helping him it's not about us we don't pat ourselves on the back we say lord thank you for the volunteers that built it thank you for the donors that made the gifts possible to buy that material and now we have other families waiting patiently saying i'm next and God has more divine appointments lined up for us than we would ever see. But to see this program grow into what it has and uh, in a growth plan, we had two tractor trailers and a couple pickup trucks in 2004. And Hurricanes Charlie, Francis, Gene, and Ivan hit Florida. And at the end of that, a donor made a designated gift of $4 million. And I'm like, wow, that is a lot of money. What do they want it used for? And their restrictions were $1 million to help families get back into their homes, $1 million to buy blue plastic, and then they wanted to use the rest to buy two more tractor trailers fully equipped. And I'm thinking, oh, my, we're going to go. Lord, that's doubling our territory. But 2004 was the year before Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005. 
So God was already preparing us to be ready to respond to Hurricane Katrina. And we were able to go in a bigger way than ever before. And since then, we've continued to grow up to eight disaster relief vehicles that we have here in the U.S., three in Canada and two in Australia. So in this cabinet is all the batteries that um, all of our power tools, power drills, power Dremel tools that do cutting where we can cut off things, our blowers, everything that we would have to keep the tools and equipment charged and ready to go for the next day. From there, you go to our volunteer army of just, as I shared, we just surpassed 200,000. Hurricane Harvey, we had 11,000 people call and say, here am I, send me. And we have a great team of volunteer coordinators. They get them scheduled, lined up, ready to go, and be, go out and take care of every need that they have. They pay their own way to and from. We will provide their meals and a place for them to sleep and get them busy serving in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I absolutely love doing this. I want to come back. I have learned so much, and I was hoping I would le learn a skill, and here I am one day and under my belt, and I think I'm a professional. There you go. <laughs> God is the ultimate guide of getting the right people to the right person and being able to just make that connection and building that level of trust. And we present every homeowner with a new copy of God's Word, and it's a study Bible that gives them 50 tough questions, as Billy Graham wrote in there, 50 tough questions people may ask, like, if your God loves me, why did this storm just hit me? Mm -hmm. And why did I lose a loved one or something? But it steers them not to Franklin Graham's opinion. It steers them to God's Word. Talk to me about... What can, a, what can someone do? Do you have to have skills and do you train? Well, I know you work with professionals as well, but maybe explain to people how we, you can volunteer. We have team leads that are, their number one job is to keep your volunteers safe. If you don't know how to run a chainsaw or a, drive a skid steer loader, don't worry, we're not gonna let you. Mm -hmm. And But there are limbs that need to be dragged, uh, refrigerators that have to be cleaned after the power's gone out. Mm -hmm. It just shows us how fragile life is that all this material stuff that we've come across in our lives, we're not going to take it with us, but you just have to have dignity and respect as you sit there and help these homeowners walk through that valley. Uh, it's not just a case of clearing out the debris, but it's helping them build uh, a new home to live in. Uh, we've got an excellent group of um, trained staff here who know what they're doing. Uh, they know how to teach us volunteers what we're doing, uh, but more than that, they love the Lord. Uh, they love serving, and that's why we're here from our church. We're here because we love the Lord, and we want to serve Him. We want to be His hands and feet on this earth. Everyone that asks for help, that qualify, we want to make their, I guess, best effort to get them back on their feet and help them out. Just opportunity to minister to them in a mighty way. Uh, let's talk about rebuild program and okay. when and how that became because now we are also helping people rebuild homes. Um, you mentioned Tom Woodward. We loved sharing that story. So let's talk about that program. How did it come to be and, and what does that encompass? Well, as you were talking about Hurricane Katrina being sort of a, a rechanging, rethinking of our program, we used to just go in, do the cleanup, leave town. And, mm -hmm. um, in Katrina, we started looking at the idea of how... The parable of the Samaritan said, you know, we'll be back and check on them. How do you start getting people that do not have any resources or people available to help them get back into their homes? So we started 
uh, bringing volunteers in and uh, getting them repairing homes that could be repaired or actually starting to build brand new homes. Mm -hmm. So as of this date, we've uh, been able to put 1,700 families back into their homes, and these are... Uh, I would put our homes up against any contractors. Mm -hmm. These are well built. The number one thing problem we have is our volunteers riding on the wall, and everybody says, what's that? Most every one of those homes, the studs in the house that are going to be covered by sheetrock, they'll put their favorite Bible verse. They'll put a prayer in there. They'll put something that's just encouraging. And we'll see homeowners walking through their house just reading those little notes. And it just it's just tremendous to be able to, to give a 93-year-old widow a brand new home and say this is a free gift and you give them a certificate that's stamped in full on the front with red ink saying paid in full because this gift was paid for by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago and his people have come here to build this home for you mm -hmm. so it's a free gift right now we have homes going up in Homa Louisiana Lake Charles Louisiana Mayfield Kentucky uh, we're looking at how do we get involved now in eastern Kentucky on the floods we had just left eastern Kentucky two weeks before the flood hit again, and um, it was March of 20, uh, 2021, last year, when it flooded. We went there. We helped families get back in their homes, and a lot of the same families have flooded again. Uh, that was, I think, the 100-year flood. Now this one they're counting is the 1,000-year flood. Mm. When you are on a bridge 40 feet above the river and the water was over that bridge, it's a lot of water. But now... How do we go back? We're helping the families. We're going to see what do we do to get them back in their homes. But these homes, we are a licensed contractor, and we want to go out and, you know, do this in a way that honors the Lord. But um, we just uh, have volunteers. Their gift is putting the house back together instead of ripping it apart. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to have the volunteers come out. And our rebuild programs, whether it's in Alaska or here in the lower 48, we have volunteers that just love going, loving to serve and love using their time in town. It becomes sort of like a fraternal order of friends that they will pick up on the same conversation they had when they last saw each other a year ago, mm -hmm. and they just pick it up and keep on talking. And we have a re trainings. We have our uh, Sharing Hope in Jesus Name conference in Florida, and our volunteers come and just spend time together, and they become um, Facebook friends and social media friends and email friends, and it's just it's a neat family that's spread all across this country. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine the the trauma upon trauma those communities that are rocked, you know, multiple times. Um, but how have you watched? Because you mentioned, I mean, you do you get close with these churches, you get close with these pastors, these communities. So when you do go back, uh, what is that like? And and I guess what would you say? How have you watched them grow through the storms? Because we don't we don't like to go through right. hard times and storms, but obviously it does produce character. It and does. Growth. So what do you see in these churches, and how does it impact your teams? Well, one of the pastors we just helped down in New Orleans, and we have been in Louisiana many, many times, and they seem to get hit pretty hard uh, through different storms. And um, one of the pastors actually um, he um, took funds that he had and hired a person not only to go out and minister to the families that came to know the Lord and try to help them in their growth. He said, I'm going to go out here and meet all the families that did not make a profession or did not do anything and encourage them. That's the role of the church. 
I mean, when I was a kid, uh, our Monday night at our church was always visitation. You would go visit people that came to church on Sunday. You would go visit people you haven't seen or the shut-ins and the elderly and just go out and visit. So you see a lot of that going away. It's just wake up, church, get outside the walls and go meet the people where they are. But one pastor, his uh, favorite words were, to his congregation after the flood, and we really come in. It disrupts their normal activities, but to see the pastor say, I hope our church never gets back to normal. Mm. This is a new opportunity. God has brought this ministry here to our home. We don't have to go on a mission trip out of town. God has brought the mission field here to us. So you see a lot of churches, it is a, it's a wake-up call. It, they see how fragile life is. They see the opportunity. They see uh, the need to, to be the church. Mm. That's a convicting quote and something, yeah, all of our churches, we should, you know, again, we don't want trauma, but I've even heard it from the Ukrainian pastors, you know, we would never want this war, but because of it, God's bringing people through our doors that never would have come. I'm mm -hmm. getting chills thinking about it. I mean, yeah. they're they're now hosting people. They're becoming a, a place of refuge physically, but also spiritually to people that never would step a foot into church. Right. And so church, going to church is not about a building. It's about the character of Christ and permeating communities, and that's what happens through North American Ministries. Mm -hmm. And we want to be the mobile church. Mm -hmm. I mean, we come, Samaritan's First, we're not a denomination. Mm -hmm. We're just a group of believers that come from all different walks in our faith and mm -hmm. denominations, and we want to go out as a body and go out and meet people where they are. And don't make them come to your church and see the welcome sign out front. Let's go to them in their time of need and show them what the church is really all about. Mm -hmm. And so, finally, to pray, how can we be praying for North American Ministries? I know you guys are a very reactive project that, you know, we don't know what storms are going to come, but you always have to be prepared. Right. Um, and so, how can we be praying for you all? Well, as we've continued to see through the years, even with COVID, God has just continued to mm -hmm. bless us abundantly uh, with more volunteers going out than even the year before COVID. But the storms don't be, they don't seem to be slowing down mm -hmm. as they continue to come. Just uh, pray that God would send more workers. There's a huge harvest out there, and the laborers are few. And a lot of our volunteers are older. They're retired. They have ability. But um, this week, we were down at Truett McConnell College in Georgia talking to their students. Mm -hmm. How do we get the college students? I mean, a lot of students come out with us. Liberty University sends students out. We need the younger generation to see what mission work is all about. How about not only going overseas, but here in the U.S., how can they help their neighbors? And let's get that mission bug uh, planted in their heart and let them go out and be uh, the new generation that's coming right behind us to, to follow up. Because we know until the Lord returns, we're going to see more storms, more disasters, more devastation. But this is where we're going to be prepared. Our trucks are ready to go, and let's go out and pray that God would keep sending the workers. Mm -hmm. But pray that our work does continue to come with that message. And uh, I just continue to appreciate Franklin Graham's direction and his guidance that we need to be there, we need to be intentional, but that we need to provide quality work. Anywhere we go, we want to do it to the best because we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned how he likes to be in quick, you know, before the reporters come. And, and our teams, they often are in there before they have power. I mean, they live very uh, difficult Right. You know, well, scenarios. So when we go out, we're self-contained. Yep. We have our own kitchens, our own showers, our own food, our own power units that can power the church back up and get them back as a shining mm -hmm. light there in a dark community because mm -hmm. the power is still out. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. And, you. and just finally, you've shared so much scripture. And I know that is what keeps you anchored because your job is taxing. I mean, you are you are gone a lot. Your teams are gone a lot. You're, you can get kind of tired, but you're not weary because the Lord restains, right. res- restores you. So maybe f- just to close, I know you sh- shared a lot of scripture, but what, what are some scriptures that keep you uh, well, the two the that heart. anchor me the best, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and let God direct our paths. Mm-hmm. And then Joshua 1, 9, we have to be strong and courageous, not dismayed or discouraged, because wherever we go, God is going to be right there mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. And I just pray this encourages people, but also maybe challenges people. Mm-hmm. What, what can I do, Lord? How can you send me? And I always think of Johnny Erickson Tata, you know, a quadriplegic. She said, when I'm feeling low, you know, obviously she reads God's word, but she says, go reach out to someone that has it harder than you. And I right. said, if she can find someone that has it harder than her, you know, yeah. we all can. And you're right. Sometimes when we're hurting, blessing and ministering others not that we do it for that reason, but it will change us. It does. And we go to bless them and the homeowners and the families and the community. We get a blessing two times mm-hmm. as great back mm-hmm. toward us. Mm-hmm. And it's just seeing them and their gifts, of whether it's a baked cookies or brownies mm-hmm. that some sweet little lady has made and brought to us or just a man that just wants to come and just encourage and talk to you. So mm-hmm. it's, it's work never gets old. It's, mm-hmm. it's fun to go to work every morning, mm-hmm. but it's sad to go see people in devastation. But someone has to be there and be the hands and feet to mm-hmm. help them through that. Mm-hmm. And our volunteers always wear orange shirts. They do. And I've heard, you know, homeowners say just to see an army of orange shirts coming towards me, you know, just again, that ministry of presence is so powerful and important. And and every orange shirt says helping in Jesus' name. We don't want it's not for our credit. This mm-hmm. is Jesus people coming to rescue these folks in a time of need. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Luther. Thank, thank you for you. your leadership and for sharing little insights. And so we look forward to bringing more episodes on North American Ministries well, in the future. Thank you. God bless. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just love how Luther explained everything. Uh, like the church, we go to people in their time of need. That's what all our projects at Samaritan's Purse do. We respond in Jesus' name, not inviting people to come to us, but going to them when they are in the ditches of life. I asked Luther how we could pray, and he had many prayer requests, but but one thing he said was that we need to pray for more volunteers. Uh, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There is so much work to be done, and it takes the hard work of volunteers to help families recover. And another thing that Luther mentioned is that these storms are not slowing down. Uh, We live in a fallen, broken world where natural and man-made disasters hit often. Just this week, Hurricane Fiona devastated Puerto Rico, leaving millions without power, contaminating water sources, and flooding homes. Samaritan's Purse is responding there now. We immediately sent a team, and we've been working with our church partners to assess the greatest needs. And next week, we're going to give you an inside look at this hurricane response and share more about how we are able to quickly mobilize disaster response specialists after a storm hits. Hurricane Fiona struck almost five years after Hurricane Maria devastated the island as a Category 4 storm. Uh, And so Puerto Rico is still healing from that trauma. I spoke with Dave Holzhauer, who is managing the response. And you'll hear more from him in the next episode. But one of the things that he said really hit me. He said, the people who have the least seem to suffer the most. 
And these are the people that that we're going to help, the vulnerable families who are hurting. Samaritan's Purse is sending emergency shelter material and community water filtration units to the island. Uh, We know that these are critical needs. We already have team members on the ground, and we will be coordinating with them to continue to send relief supplies that are needed. If you're listening to this update and you want to get involved, either volunteering with U.S. Disaster Relief or supporting our Puerto Rico response, click on the link in our show notes, or you can go to SamaritansPurse.org for more information. With wars and disasters and devastation happening all over the world, it's easy to get discouraged. And that is why Samaritan's Purse runs into the fire. We go to give physical aid, but more importantly, hope beyond this earth. We have a hope and present help in times of danger, and God is above the storm. The other day I read Psalm 29, and verse 10 and 11 really hit me. It says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned, king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And it hit me that floods and hurricanes, they're dangerous, but they aren't final. God loved us so much that he sent his son uh, to earth on a rescue mission. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this is how we can offer hope in the greatest storms in life. Death is not final. And so I just want to close uh, reading Psalm 91. Uh, The people in Puerto Rico, uh, they have been hit hard. Again, after uh, trauma from years past, there's still recovery. And now they have many more storms threatening to hit them in the next uh, couple weeks. And so be praying as the pain and the trauma just seems to continue. I can't imagine what they're facing. And so, uh, you know, just pray that our church partners can offer hope and encouragement in this time. I love Psalm 91.1 that says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And this is the hope that we want to bring during hard times. Hope in Jesus, that He is above the storm. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for your prayers. 